and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season five, episode two, Real Me. Do I have announcements? I don't think I do, other than that we are literally five episodes away from recording our hundredth episode. Oh my god. Yeah, this is the 95th, like, episode we have recorded. (laughs) Wow. I know. We've, we've, we're, yeah, we are... We've been at this a while. <laughs> we have. Yeah, we definitely have. Oh, my God. So we'll have to, I, I need to think of something special to do for the 100th episode. I gotta think about that. We'll talk yeah. about that offline. All right. So let's get into the episode. Um, Real Me, it aired October 3rd, 2000, and our synopsis is Buffy's slain is hampered by sibling rivalry when she's forced to take Dawn with her and Giles to the magic shop, where they find the owner dead from multiple puncture wounds. The evidence points to a new vampire gang. When they learn the leader of the pack is Spike's ex-girlfriend, Harmony. (laughs) Nobody takes them seriously until Dawn mistakenly invites Harmony into the house. I love this episode. I love everything with where Harmony shows up at the house. We'll talk about that, obviously, when we get there. Yeah, yeah. And even, even like, you know, the way, like, it's still funny. Like, even though I knew it was coming, like, just the whole, why don't you come in here and say that? Like, yeah, (laughs) because it also is a very teenage Oh, it is. It is. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of that. We're gonna definitely yeah. talk about Dawn a lot this episode and going forward. But first, do we have any international titles? We do. We do. Um so a lot of them were either the real me or my real me. Okay. So, you know, all of those are cut out. So in Czech we have my real self. French brings us jealousies. Ooh. German, dear little sister of mine. Italian, a dangerous invitation. Oh, I like that one. And I just like the I I just the way that this translated in Russian, my true I. Oh, I like that one too. Yeah. But I think a dangerous invitation. Yeah, yeah. 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 Italy just Italy always brings it. They do. They do. French, German, and Italian. Like they a lot of times, sometimes Japanese too. But yeah, like I, I like when they go overboard with Instead, you know, instead of trying to just translate it into that language, I like when they go a little wild. They're the most extra. Yes. I mean, look at those countries. They are really the most extra. This is true. And we love them for it. So we do get a previously on Buffy telling Giles about what Dracula said to her, asking him to be her watcher again. Xander's speech about no longer being a butt monkey. (laughs) And the revelation that somehow Buffy now has a little sister. Then we're off to somewhere, a gymnasium of some sort, and Buffy training, meditating, using her inner strength to focus as she balances one-handed on a column. It's pretty impressive. That is, until the crystals Dawn has been stacking fall, breaking her concentration. Buffy then lands on her butt as Dawn leans over her, asking, Can we go now? So I don't know if it's the same for you, but this scene has always felt really similar to the scene with Luke on Dagobah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 except like, and especially like, especially the way that the scene is set up with she sit, she's sitting there meditating. You have Giles who you can you can make a fair argument that he is Obi-Wan Kenobi Yoda. 
walking behind her. She's focusing. She's concentrating. And then she's up on the stack. And but then also instead of Luke losing, you know, her losing her concentration because of her own mind, it still is something out, you know, an outside distraction. He had a distraction in his head, but here's a physical distraction. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. You know, I we can we can guess that they did it that way on purpose, knowing how nerdy the creator is. It's quite possible. Yeah. Credits. Still awesome. Uh, You'll notice they've changed again this week. As now that we've had our reveal, Michelle Trachtenberg has been added to them. Which is interesting because that's the quickest that Mm -hmm. a new person was added. Usually they get a few episodes under their belt. Either later in the season they get added or the next season. But And that also is great showing you just how important she is this season. Yeah. But also, I think it's also kind of funny. I also look at it as because she's now here, the whole thing is she's always been here. Yeah. So adding her to the credits this soon makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, So we should talk about Michelle for a moment before we get any further into this episode, as she's going to be a huge part of the show going forward. So as everyone knows, Michelle plays Dawn, um, Buffy's new little (laughs) sister. She was born in Brooklyn. She started acting young, doing Nickelodeon shows such as Clarissa Explains It All, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, both of which I think you can watch on Paramount+. Plus. She starred in the Harriet the Spy movie. And then after Buffy, she did one of my all-time favorite movies, Eurotrip. Yeah. Um, before going on to play Georgina Sparks on Gossip Girl, both the original and the reboot. Uh, not to mention countless other shows she's guest starred on. So like we said last week, she is a phenomenal actress and we love her even if like the whole Dawn plotline did take a while to warm up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will come out and say that I do have a soft spot for Dawn. Um, like the whole thing was super weird. Yeah. But the, the first year I went out to California with my girlfriend and I met her group of friends out there. Buffy was still on the air. It was the early 2000s. So one of her friends referred to me as the Dawn of the group. And I'm looking at him like, what? What? What does that even mean? <laughs> and so then he explained, he's like, well, you know, you've just shown up. Like, none of us have met you before, but you've totally just always been here. So now, you know, like, and that's that's also funny, too, because that's how I feel a lot of times about, like, our group of friends and, like, yeah. our friendship. So, like, yeah, it's really interesting because that is, like, a phenomenon, I guess, in a way. Like, there are people who just appear in your life one day and it, it's just as if they've always been there. Yeah, like, like you and me, you know, oh, yeah. we, we met... And, you know, we, we were always very honest. We met on Live Journal through role playing groups. And like we even like we even found out we even found out that we played together on characters before we were friends. I always we always forget that, you know, we, we haven't known. I mean, now we've reached the point where we've been, yeah. you know, we've been I friends mean, for for over well, over a decade, over a decade, you know, close to 15 years. Like it's but it feels like because. And especially because like the way our personalities mesh and the way we are as people, like we got to, we got along so well from the very beginning. It was so easy and so comfortable. 
Yeah. That it really did feel like we were always in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And now like we we are like we are. We're all up in every <laughs> in each other's business. business. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's so it's also so funny. It's like, you know, back in the day, they're like it, we, we had Internet stranger danger where you don't. <laughs> You don't meet people off the internet and like... That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> no, no. <sighs> also, my dad wanted to name me Dawn, apparently. I don't oh, see it. That, I don't no. think I'm a Dawn no. at all. No, but... well, my my mom was going to name me Jillian. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... I was going to be I was going to be Jillian with a J. That I could see, actually. And then when I was... I, I was supposed to be born the first week of January. And then I came right before christmas so that's when you got I became, yeah and it was and my my mom my mom almost i almost became holly noel then you would have had to have your own hallmark movie. I, I know i know i would have i would have had to be like and i mean and i grew i mean i grew up in small towns see except my small towns were not the, the idyllic hallmark small town no no there were there was a lot more pickup trucks and gun racks and stuff (laughs) okay (laughs) anyway anyway going on Um, we return from the credits to dawn sitting in her room writing in her diary as so many teen girls of the 90s early 2000s did Mm mm-hmm and like those girls, she is lamenting that no one really understands her, that her opinion doesn't seem to matter, that she is forever in the shadow of her older sister, who just happens to be the Slayer. And you know what? Dawn bets that if everyone else had to live with her, they wouldn't think she was so great. This part we get over a breakfast sequence, Joyce, Dawn, and Buffy all in the kitchen, Dawn cleverly manipulating it so that she gets the last of the milk. You have to give her props for that. <laughs> I love, I really love the choreography in this scene. Oh, it's so good. It is such, and again, this this also shows like, it, it, it's, it, it's also a hallmark of the creator. Like he really does have great choreography. And that's really the only way that you can describe the way these three women are moving around the kitchen because everything has to be perfectly timed. Oh, yeah. And it's a great, um, what am I trying to say? It's a great show that to them, it's always been this way. There's nothing because awkward. Because they have yeah. this choreographed movement. They all yeah. know who goes for what. Yeah, it's, there's no, this, it, this feels like a morning routine. Yeah, exactly. Because you have, you know, you have, you have three women who are in different stages of their life, but they all have to exist in the same space at the same mm-hmm. time. And that is one great thing that about this episode and, you know, things, you know, until we get towards finding out about, you know, about Dawn, you know, but like the way that they mesh her so well into their lives. I, I like that they didn't go for something is weird. Something is off. Yeah, it has to be Dawn was always there. I mean, like I'm thinking about like Superstar with Jonathan (laughs) that goes in the other direction. Like everybody feels like something is weird, but they can't do anything about it because they're under the spell. And like even like even then Buffy starts to break out of it. But this is so subtle that it just it's it's beautiful. Like I'm always a sucker for good staging and choreography Mm -hmm. and it's just they it's it's one static shot 
of three of them in the same small space. Yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic shot. Dawn also thinks that it's very uncool that Buffy isn't a proper superhero. No mask, no cool name. She just kills things with wood, which, lame. Vampires, so scary, they die from a splinter. <laughs> As the voiceover ends, Joyce asks Buffy what her plans are for the day. She and Jazz were going to go to the magic shop and get some supplies. For training sessions? Well, that's great. She can take Dawn's school supply shopping while she's out. What? No. Dawn thought <laughs> Joyce was going to take her. She was, and she wants to. It's just she has a show opening, and there's so much to do to get ready for it. Is it a real show, or is it a black market show? Well, with Joyce, you never know. Considering, like, it ran late, I think it was a black market show. Yeah, yeah. There was probably bidding going on. I think Joe is her her personal assistant for those shows. I think so, too. Joe is a very important man in Sunnydale. He, he helps her find all the shady buyers that otherwise she wouldn't get. And now that he's the mayor, like, she doesn't even have yeah. to hide. And you know what? Now that, and also now that Joyce, you know, Joyce knows about all the creepy things that go on into Sunnydale, and in, in Sunnydale, that opens up her clientele so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this whole thing. <laughs> we know the inner workings of it Sunnydale. Has to, there, there's nothing that can explain a single mom, Southern California. No! With that house... With, you know, you see Sunny, you know. Yeah. There is nothing that, there's nothing that can, just that can, you know, because I don't think Hank is sending them enough money no. to, to do all that. And why it goes sideways so fast later in the season when she's no longer around. I forgot how fast that comes up. Yeah. Like I, this whole season, I felt like, like, as I'm sitting there, like, even just like with Dracula and today, I feel like this happened further down the line like my brain like i think just because of like everything going on in life and when you're watching it live it just feels like all the seasons feel like they're so much longer and when they do take so much longer because you have hiatuses and stuff but yeah i really feel like this happened later yeah let's just skip let's just skip the body i wish nothing bad happens to joyce ever no it's fine she goes she gets married and goes to live with that nice man who sent her flowers yes Buffy was only planning on going to the magic shop. Nowhere else. And there's no school supplies there. Yeah, it's not like Dawn's going to Hogwarts. (laughs) When Buffy fails to see the humor in that situation, Dawn rolls her eyes. Try cracking a book sometimes. I feel Dawn in this moment. Yeah. Also, everyone knows what Hogwarts is. I refer to give airtime to anything dealing with that turf. So moving on. Yes, we all know it's all popular. It's not anything that's unknown. Joyce is sure Giles will not mind dropping Buffy and Dawn off at the mall afterwards. Actually, Buffy is sure he will. This is supposed to be Slayer Watcher time. She told her mom how Dawn completely ruined her training session the other day. She did not. Oh, she knew she did. (laughs) Look, there's a knock on the door and Joyce goes to answer it. She could really use the help right now. So if Buffy could do this for her... Opening the door, Joyce greets Riley, who steps inside, complimenting her outfit because he is a good, wholesome, all-American boy. He is. He is. I mean, again, like, we are not the biggest Riley fans, but we do appreciate how nice he is to her mother. Buffy moves to him, giving him a kiss and calling him a suck-up. In his defense, I'm here to violate your firstborn, really (laughs) doesn't work as a greeting. We then get Dawn's thoughts on Riley how he's so into Buffy, how they're always kissing and groping, and how she bets they've had sex. (laughs) 
touched. He's not wrong. No, no, no. You don't know how right you are. <laughs> there was a whole episode where they're having sex caused a lot of problems for everybody. Weird. Riley greets her with a hey kid and she tells him that she's not a kid. She then leaves the room as Buffy expresses her pleasure at the surprise. Surprise? Riley thought they had plans. Plans? They planned plans? (laughs) Well, yesterday she told him to come over tomorrow and they'd hang. (laughs) So here he is. It's not the invasion of Normandy, but it's still a plan. (laughs) At this, Buffy looks at Bill guilty and Riley says, they're not hanging today, are they? No, Jazz is actually on his way to pick her up. Slayer training? Slayer shopping, which is equally as important. Oh, Riley has no doubt. It's okay. Really? He's not mad at her? No, not at all. He's currently planning her death, but in a happy way. (laughs) Honestly, though, he knows what this means to her and he's glad she has this new mission. Kissing her, he tells her that he will see her tonight. Then he's headed for the door with a goodbye kid to Dawn. Not a kid. Giles's car. (laughs) Oh, my God. Specifically, Giles' new shiny red BMW convertible, a.k.a. his midlife crisis car. Oh, my God. And that was, um, And Giles telling Buffy that he's sure it's all right, that Riley, more than anyone, understands the importance of training. The radio is clearly tuned to a classical station, which Dawn reaches forward to try and change, prompting Giles to tell her to leave it alone and sit down. Dawn doesn't think Giles likes her very much, probably because he's so old. (laughs) Like, used the word newfangled once old. To a 14-year-old, that's like ancient. And since I don't know, I think I mentioned it earlier, Michelle was only 15. Yeah. When this season was filmed. So like even more props to her for all the emotional work she'll put in in the latter half of this season. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. And and it also like, I also like because, you know, Sarah was Buffy's age Mm -hmm. when this was, you know, so having, you know, Dawn be Michelle's age. Yeah. Yeah. And and Michelle does such a fantastic job. And I think like I think we were we were saying that we appreciate her more. And I think also because I love Michelle as an actress. Oh, I do, too. So much. After seeing her in other things, because when you're when you're like the age that we were at the time, like it felt like annoying little sister. Like, why is this annoying little sister showing up out of nowhere? Yeah, and then, like, the dynamics were changing. Yeah. It was just, like, and like I said, like, looking back now, I, I think I realized when I was younger, that's why I didn't like Faith. Because I'm like, why are you just, why are you messing with the formula? Stop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But being older and appreciating the entire storylines more now that we do. Yeah. It changes your opinion. The, oh, the thing I will say about the car is it mm-hmm. is actually a 1987 BMW. Ooh. So it is also keeping with... Giles not having new cars. He like, it's still. It's new to him, but it's not yet current. Not yet current. No. I mean, he just needs to go full suburban dad and get a minivan for all those children he has. Right. He's got a lot of children to throw in a car. He has new ones appearing out of nowhere. (laughs) Okay. But I actually want to talk about that. So I want to talk about Dawn's line that she doesn't think Giles likes her. Because as far as we know, nothing major from the first four seasons have changed. Mm -hmm. 
Except that now we can assume Dawn was in the background somewhere, that she was probably kidnapped or threatened a time or two. And I know they cover it in a comic issue where they taught like when it goes through a couple of the scenarios and they do cover a moment with Angelus. Mm -hmm. But I would have loved to have seen a flashback with the Angelus storyline now with the inclusion of Dawn. Yeah. But clearly no relationships have changed. Yeah. Which means Giles is still a major father figure to Buffy. And now that's something Dawn doesn't have. Yeah. And I think, you know, and also because Buffy spent so much time with him. And so we all like also like. I mean, because Hank clearly still sucks. Yeah. 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 So like and I, I don't I also think like with that line, it's not necessarily Giles doesn't like her. I think that's all part of teenage angst. It is, but like, and I mean, maybe I will be proved wrong as we watch this the rest of this season, but I don't think we ever see Giles display as much of a parental attitude with Dawn, except I think right after Buffy comes back and can't yeah. handle stuff. Yeah. Um, that he does with Buffy. So it's yeah. like, Giles is there and he doesn't not like her. He just... It's not like the Scoobies who have been around him all the time, in, yeah. especially in the high school. So it's just like this level of support, extra support that Buffy has that Dawn doesn't. Yeah. And I think that these are the things like watching as an adult, you you come to appreciate a little yeah, bit more. Yeah. And also like, yeah, feeling for Dawn. Yeah. Because like clearly Dawn has friends and like even like we were talking about last week where they do an episode or two, but they didn't really try to to do a lot of episodes that were like... Dawn and her friends do this. So we know she has like mm-hmm. friends, but we don't see her have the kind of friend group her sister has. Yeah, I think that that's also, again, we've said it so many times, there are wasted opportunities. Yeah. There's things that could have been been done better. Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting to like pay a bit more attention mm-hmm. to Dawn and people with her going through this time to kind of see how things develop with her. Yeah. And again, and again, when you're when you're watching it the way that we are going through to pay attention. Yeah. To stuff. And like, because, you know, we're talking about it. So we actually have to watch with a more critical eye for detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, like I, I do appreciate Dawn a lot more than. Yeah. Did before. Looking at the list of supplies, Buffy notices there's a lot of books on there. Any chance some of them come on tape read by George Clooney or someone equally as cute? (laughs) Giles reminds her that they are entering a brand new territory, one he himself isn't even well versed in. It's going to take time and Buffy gets it and she's ready. Color her committed. Giles is not used to his new car. (laughs) Or it's automatic transmission. He doesn't like just sitting there doing nothing, removed from the process. <laughs> Giles, you could have bought a manual. They do make those. They do sell those in the United States. Yeah. That's what gets me. That's what kills me about like his whole thing with this. Like They do sell manual transmission cars. I mean, yeah. Kevin's last car, well, his, his current car, is a manual transmission. That's why I could never drive his car. Yeah. He just had to go. Like, it's not even the transmission. He is going through his midlife crisis and had to buy the shiny red 1987 BMW convertible. Right. He doesn't think it's working out. It, is he breaking up with his car? Well, it did seduce him all red and sporty. Definitely did. That I, That's the only that is a demon car. 
And he was desperate for something at a point where he just found himself looking for something more shallow. (laughs) You know, now that he's going to be Buffy's watcher again, a modicum of respect would be nice. Is she never- Giles, you are asking way too much. You knew- you had this from the beginning. Right? Like, when did she ever respect him? She- there's respect and then there's, like, what the- what the Watcher's Council actually wants. You know, she respects him. Yeah. But that doesn't mean she has to kowtow to him. He's serious. Now is not the time for such flighty. Dawn points out Willow and Tara and Giles moves the car in their direction as they have yet to see it. Willow and Tara, it seems, have just gotten their morning daily fix from the espresso pump as they both exit holding cups. Willow is very impressed by the car. Sharp wheels. Tara agrees. And the rest of it is nice, too. She's so cute. As Giles is pulled into a parking spot, look at Sunnydale with all its convenient street parking. Seriously, especially like the way that he was able to just pull up that car to the curb. (sighs) They call climb out. Buffy asking Willow where they're headed. Magic shop. She has some charms on backorder. Dawn then says hi to Willow, and we see that Willow is the first person she's actually super excited to talk to. Probably because according to her, Willow is the awesomest. Doesn't she call her Donnie? Yeah, she does call her Donnie. It's so cute. She's the only person who likes school as much as Dawn, and she and Dawn regularly play chess. She even thinks Willow's friend Tara is cool. As Willow and Tara are both witches, doing spells and such, which is way cooler than slaying. Dawn even once told Joyce that she wants to learn the types of things Willow and Tara do together, which caused Joyce to get real quiet. (laughs) And like, go upstairs and go upstairs, I think she said. Yeah. (laughs) She guesses her mom's generation just isn't cool with witchcraft. One of the things that I absolutely love about Dawn is how big a Willow Terra shipper she becomes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't remember if we actually see slash find out the moment she realizes Tara's actually Willow's girlfriend. But I do know that we like see her become their biggest champion. Yeah. Like, and, and also like, I love, you know, I just love how cute, like I love I, th- that her whole, that whole entry about them is just so cute, but also like Joyce, not, outing them yeah like that's really nice it was a mom thing to be like i am going to leave this situation because i don't know what i want to say to you yeah oh i just because like there was there was there was a i had a friend at the when i worked at the casino that he was gay i mean he was openly gay and we were really good friends i mean we were working the middle of the night shift so like the two of us would always walk around together and i think i had just gotten engaged And there was this security guard as we were walking, one of the security guards as we're walking around. And he was like, he's like, oh, you two look so cute together. You would make a great couple. And I just laughed. I'm like, well, there's a problem with that. (laughs) And the guy, the the, the security guard goes, oh, that's right. You're engaged. And my friend just like pulled me away. Like, and, and we're laughing. And he's like, I don't know how people don't know that I'm gay. Right. Like he's dated other guys that worked at the casino. Like... But it was just, I'm like, yeah, there's a pro, like, there's a problem with that. <laughs> like, and I told Matt, I'm like, if I had to be platonically married to anybody, I would be platonically married to you. <laughs> Fair enough. As they walk along, Buffy tells Willow how she and Giles have put together a training schedule and how it works perfectly around her school schedule. Every day, there is at least one hour dedicated solely to training. Willow is beaming. That's a work ethic. <laughs> Buffy is developing a work ethic. Oh, no. Does she think they make an ointment for that? (laughs) 
You gotta respect a solid work ethic. Just look at her, all motivated, ready to soak up the learning. They're gonna have so much fun this semester. About that. With her new training schedule, Buffy kinda had to drop a class. Okay, it happens. So Buffy won't be taking drama with Willow. What? But she (laughs) promised. She knows it's just Giles. To hell with Giles. (laughs) At this, Giles turns to face the pair. He can hear her. (laughs) Willow continues. Drama is just Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. Buffy can blow off training on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. What happened to people gotta respect the work ethic? Other people, not her. There's a whole best friend loophole. Yeah, I can 10,000% confirm this is true. Actual rules do not apply to best friends. No, no. They have their own rules. No, yeah, yeah. And 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 the rules change without, uh-huh. without any kind of advance notice. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's at this point that Tara points out the magic shop looks a little dark. Maybe it's closed? Saying that seems odd, Giles forces the door open and steps inside. The place has clearly been ransacked. Something Buffy says takes odd and moves it up to bad. As they venture further into the shop, they call out, trying to see if anyone's there. When Tara crawls out Mr. Bogarty, they all turn to look at her. (laughs) The owner? She comes in there a lot. So I really like this small detail about Tara. Mm -hmm. That she takes time to get to know people, know their name. Because clearly both Willow and Giles have also been in that shop a ton. But neither of them seem to know the owner's name. My my theory about that is, and again, like later on in the episode, they say about the, the lifespan of somebody running the magic shop. Willow and Giles just don't feel the need to get invested. Yeah, like you, if you get in, you get invested and in this, so like now Tara knows the name and she's extra sad because she knew him on a personal level. Like, yeah, you know, you, you don't get to like, if you know that somebody is going to die in this area very soon. And again, it also just goes to show how like they're just so used to people randomly dying. And it's sad. It is sad. Venturing farther in, Willow says maybe it happened really late at night when there was no one there. Of course, immediately after saying this, she trips over the owner, who is dead, with what looks like blood drying on his neck. Well then, Buffy immediately starts shuffling Dawn outside. This is not something she needs to see. But she wants to see. No, now stay outside and wait. No moving. From outside, Dawn tries to see through the blinds and is doing so when a supposed homeless man comes up to her. Asking her what she's doing, saying she shouldn't loiter. There's no loitering. That's why he's a cat. Cat's in the cupboard and the pain. There's so much pain. She goes to call for Buffy, but he shushes her, says he knows her, curds and whey. She doesn't belong there. I like that we have another Little Miss Muffet reference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Little Miss Muffet. He must eventually leave because when Tara comes outside looking for Dawn, she's sitting alone on the curb. She asks Tara if the owner is dead and she confirms that yes, sadly he is. Taking a seat beside her, Tara says, they're going to be a bit longer. Doing the detective thing? Best non-Scoobies like them stay out of their way. They sit in silence for a moment before Tara asks Dawn if she wants to thumb wrestle. Okay. Tara is an absolute angel and none of us deserved her. No. No, we didn't. Like, no matter, like, she's very awkward. Mm-hmm. But the way that she was trying with with Dawn is just yeah. so adorable. And like even even like when they were all greeting each other outside the espresso pump, like Tara still like is awkward with Dawn because Dawn is the family, but she's just the girlfriend. And then she comes out and sits with her because they're both in the same boat. 
Yeah, and we're going to, you know, see Tara talk about that in a little bit. And just Tara's just so... I know. And the way that she grows. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that she even has grown since yeah. her introduction. Like, last season, she might have been too awkward to even sit with Dawn like this. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting angry. <laughs> right? <laughs> Warren! Angry at something that is... Oh, fucking Warren. His name is not fucking Warren. <laughs> Got it! No, no, no. I'm just thinking about Empire Records. Mm. <laughs> always a Warren. It is always a Warren. Oh, yeah. I'm get, We're getting mad about something that doesn't happen until further down the line. That episode's going to be an interesting oh, one because there's yeah. just so many reasons to dislike everything written in that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Inside, the gang is examining the body. Given the number of bites, they are most definitely dealing with more than one vampire. Willow says there's also a number of things that are missing, mostly books, like one on the mythology and methodology of the vampire slayer. What? Buffy checks her list. Was that the only copy? Giles tells her to be serious. Okay, hold on. Hold on. We, we need to talk about this. There are books in world written about vampire slayers. And yet everyone is so surprised when one shows up. The initiative was surprised. Okay, to be fair, that had more to do with the initiative being really bad at their jobs. Yeah. But still, had it been like vampire hunters, mm-hmm. I might have been more down with it. As we learned last episode, the novel Dracula exposed a lot of secrets. Yeah. And Van Helsing was a hunter. But a slayer, that's not something enough people should know about to write a book on. I think, see, the way that um, the way that I'm interpreting it is that this is an old, 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 old book or something that some like so it's a very it is a very rare thing for people to know about the slayers. But somebody like when they broke into the shop were looking for anything about a slayer and they were just like, oh, look, I found this book. I'm going to take it back to Harmony. Right. But that book was on Buffy's list. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's why she consults the piece of paper. Oh, I thought Buffy. See, I thought Buffy was I thought Buffy was joking about that. No, it's on because she pulls out her list. So if there are books out there written about vampire slayers, why the fuck do we care about the council and its resources? Like, I feel like the council and having to be on the good side of the council and the council's documentation wouldn't be so important if there were randos out here writing books on vampire slayers. The council is just a bunch of snobs. They really are. They're old white men. What do you mm-hmm. want? But I was like, that was that was just a really odd choice. I would have made it hunters. Yeah. Because slayers can fall under the broad category of hunters. Yeah. But hunters can't be slayers. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. And maybe maybe like they were just using Slayer as a catch-all. A catch-all term. That's fair. Looking over the books from the shop, Giles is a bit shocked. He didn't realize this place has such a good profit margin. <laughs> Out of state orders, international. He sees what now why they never had a problem finding a new owner. Place like this is a virtual death trap. <laughs> What? Oh, well, yes, but still location, pedestrian traffic. Willow asks what the next next steps are. And Giles says Buffy should start looking for the vampire's lair. She'll grab Riley and get on patrol. Uh, isn't she forgetting something? Willow reminds her she's on dawn duty. Buffy needs to drop her back off at home and her mother is going to kill her. (laughs) Giles is still thinking about the shop and says that the death toll must help to keep the rent down. (laughs) 
He then notices a case is broken and asks what was in there, as it must have been something of great importance. A unicorn. Huh? A 10-inch ceramic unicorn imported from Thailand. Giles frowns. What sort of unholy creature has a taste for such things? Harmony! Harmony does! I love Harmony. As we go to her lair where she is congratulating all her minions on a job well done. Props to them. She also wants to thank whoever remembered her love of unicorns. Turns out it was Brad. Who feels he had to get Harmony a gift? She sired him. Ah, the other vampires nod. He sire whipped. Now, she's been skimming the book jackets of all the books they brought her. And there is some really great stuff in there. One of the vampires... Cyrus, played by Tom Lank, who we will talk a ton more about next season, raises his hand. When are they going to do it? Ew, rude. Harmony hardly knows him. And he's a minion. Another one of the vamps clarifies. He means the plan. When are they going to do the plan? Oh, the plan. Well, first, Harmony wants to tell everyone that she is really psyched about it. And she hopes they are too. No one cares about that. Which is sad, because... I feel like Harmony is actually a really good leader. Oh, yeah. She's supportive. She's handing out credit. I'm really glad that we'll see more of her both later in this Mm -hmm. season and on Angel. And we'll see her really grow on Angel. Yeah. And also, like, especially now that she's broken free of Cordelia. Yeah. And she's on her own. Like, she is a very unconventional vampire. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't. So many of the vampires, and especially the vampire leaders in this series, are the stereotypical brooding, dark, menacing, you know, mean to all of their minions. Yeah. But Harmony, like, she's like, we're working together. We're doing this. We're good. You did a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and even when, you know, so many of them, like, when in, in some of the other vampire leaders, like, even, like, they don't give credit to the, the people who did good job. No. Harmony, and, and even, like, and, yeah, she's just, and this also, like, with Harmony, goes back to what we were talking about, personality, when you were alive. Yeah. You know, becoming a vampire doesn't automatically make you a jerk. No. You're evil. You're evil. You're evil, but you don't have to be a jerk. So, no. so many of these people either were jerks in real life or they choose to be jerks because they're vampires now. Exactly. We are Team Harmony. Yes, we are. All the vamps want to know is when is the plan going down? Tonight. They kill the Slayer tonight. Back at the Summer's home, Buffy is in trouble. Not only did she not get her sister the school supplies she was supposed to, but she took her to a murder scene. But in Buffy's defense, she didn't know it was going to be a murder scene. Exactly. They didn't take her there. The murder scene just happened upon them. And she made sure Dawn didn't see the body. Oh, well, then that makes it all right. Buffy's not saying that. She Joyce says she asked one favor of Buffy to look after her sister. And now she wants to unload her so she and Riley can go out. She's working. It's not like she wants to go to the sock hop. <laughs> Joyce tells her that she needs to be at the pre-show reception in half an hour. That's also more proof about all of the old movies and stuff that she watches with with mm-hmm. Joyce. Who's going to watch Dawn? She doesn't need anyone to watch her. Yes, she does. I love how both Buffy and Joyce answer that in unison. So wait, if Buffy can get an acceptable babysitter there before Joyce leaves, she can go patrolling? Babysitter? Dawn argues that she does not need a babysitter. She's old enough to be a babysitter. (laughs) I love her. I love this whole scene with just Dawn yelling from 
upstairs her room like she yeah, can hear all upstairs yeah she can they can hear all the whole conversation but i just like that she's in her room mm-hmm. and i mean this is true according to a whole series of books i lived by as a kid she is old enough to be alone with small children and handle them in any sort of an emergency situation i mean in the 2000s that's all you needed in the early late late 90s early 2000s just could dial the phone slightly better. Isn't that what John Mulaney said? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. My kid is my kid is almost 12 and I could not imagine him in a few years being babysitting. Home I mean, alone, yes. Home alone especially because my in-laws are right across the street, but babysitting. No. Mm. Joyce wants to know who Buffy thinks she is going to get on such short notice. Thinking for a moment, Buffy says, Xander. Xander? At the sound of the name, Dawn comes running, appearing in Joyce's doorway with an, okay. (laughs) Because Dawn, like us, loves and appreciates Xander. Yes. So two things. Um, I do alternate between feeling for Dawn and feeling for Buffy. Mm -hmm. Because in this scene, I most definitely feel for Buffy. Um, I was the older sibling in a single mother household growing up. And Mm -hmm. I was very much made to feel that I was responsible in my little sister. I should include her in this. Why don't I include her in that? I should be looking out for her. And it does definitely weigh on you. And I I will be real. It caused major problems Mm -hmm. in my relationship with her, basically until my nephew was born. Yes. And then, like, she and I came to bond again over that. And now we're in a good place. Yeah. And it pisses me off like little sisters do. Yeah, but but and also, like, the two of you are so far apart in age. Yeah, like, we're we're even more far apart than than Buffy and Dawn are. Yeah, like, the two of you... They're about four years? Yeah. Five years apart, because they're, like, 19 and 14, and we're seven years apart. Yeah, yeah, like, and the two, because, and... The two of you just were at completely different phases of your life yeah. for almost the whole time. So yeah, so like I do I do feel for Buffy a lot on the older sister stuff, but I also do feel for Dawn and, and yeah. so like I said, it's it is interesting going back to watch this as an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also like especially especially Buffy who has other responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> So like the way that I look at it needs no more responsibility. Yeah. Like the way that I look at it is you wouldn't do this to a daughter who actually had a physical job that she needed to go to. Yeah. Like that's like that's how I always that's how I feel like watching this. Like, yeah, is this is Buffy's job. Right. She may not get paid for it. It may have weird hours, but this is her employment. Yeah. Like if Buffy was off to her shift at Starbucks, this wouldn't even be an issue. Joyce Mm -hmm. would have found another babysitter. Yeah. So like it and and also like and, and also now that I'm like now that I'm a parent too, like this part annoys me. What Joyce does like you're putting it on your one daughter to find a babysitter. What like it's. Okay, but here's a question. Would Joyce, if Dawn was a normal child, still have that attitude? Or is this all wrapped up in the, we made the key into something we knew the Slayer would protect? That's true. in everybody's mind that Buffy has to take care of Dawn because the Slayer has to protect the key. That's another interesting thing. So like, yeah, if like, Dawn like, was a typical like fourteen year old who was not a mystical entity, would Joyce just be like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'll call like June down the street. Yeah, or oh she can, Dawn. oh she can stay home by herself, like for a half hour. Yeah, yeah. No, that is a good point though. That is a good yeah. point. Like, because would because would she be like 
like you said, like you you constantly when you have a, a younger sibling are made to take her along with. So is that just being a single mom needing your older daughter or is it because, like you said, she's a mystical entity that needs to be protected by the Slayer? Yeah, like is the idea of like Buffy needs to watch her kind of kicked up into overdrive yeah. because of what the monks did. Yeah. So, yeah, that is that is something like there's a whole lot of theories about what the monks did and some of them have been dispelled and we'll mm-hmm. talk about those as we go on. Yeah, yeah. Um, because everybody wants to blame Dawn for what happens to Joyce and did the like messing of the timelines create the thing in Joyce that mm-hmm. and they're like, no, no, we just wanted to show that sometimes people die. People yeah. die. And that's um, and, and that's that's also like, again, we'll talk more about it when we get to the body. Yeah. But, you know, having something like that that is literally out of everybody's control. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a big thing with Buffy is she knows how to fight every evil, but how do you, there's nothing to fight there. There's nothing to do. She's helpless. Mm-hmm. And and it's a, it's a good, just, I mean, it's awful. It's horrible. It's traumatizing, but it's it's a great episode to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And that, oh, that yeah, that's going to be a rough episode. It's going to be a rough episode. <laughs> Especially considering both of us come from single mom households. <laughs> Yeah, and past few years have not been great on the death front in my family. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be... Yeah. Yay. Okay. You missed the... It it was a big, it was a big sarcastic (laughs) smile and a thumbs up that she gave. (laughs) Yeah. But on a non-traumatizing note, sock hop. So, okay, everybody knows the sock hop is a dance. Yes. Um, It's typically the kind of dances they had in the the 40s and 50s. But something I did not know that I learned when I looked it up Mm -hmm. was why sock hops were started. So they were started during World War II by the Junior Red Cross in an effort to raise funds. Yep. And so they're called sock hops because in those days, it was really before sneakers were widespread worn. So they you had to take off your shoes with the hard soles to protect the varnished wood floors of the gymnasium. Yep. And so you danced in your socks. And that's exactly. why they're called sock hops. Yep. But like I knew I knew they were like 40s and 50 dances. Yeah. I did I did not know they were started as World War II fundraisers. So that yes. was kind of cool to learn. Yes. Yeah. I I I did know that because I was both in the Red Cross. And Ooh. I was part of a World War II, like I, I was in the Red Cross Club and then also a World War II reenacting group. I love that you did that. And one of our one of our fundraisers that we had was a sock hop. That's so cool. So like, you know, people could, you know, like, and you know, so it was like a, yeah, it was like a 40s, 50s themed dance that we had. I love that. And then we also like, we also did um there was a uso there was a us because because this was also in in the you know mid late 90s was when mm-hmm. neo swing there you know it, it yeah. had a big it had a big resurgence big so guys, yeah like there were there were world war actual world war ii themed uso fundraisers in my hometown so just, like so cool. there was a local like that. my my friend's parents were part of a local big band group like we we did um there's a weekend every year um, at the Air Museum. That's a World War II weekend. So yeah, we got like we would run. We ran one year. We, me and my friend, ran a tea room, and we were like talking in our terrible British accents. <laughs> and then they would have they would have a in the main hangar. They would have a dance on Saturday night with the big <laughs> band. And yeah, I almost that's kicked so a, awesome. I almost kicked a photographer in the head one time. Doing swing because he decided that it would be a good idea to be down on it. Like he wanted to get like a good shot of everybody like up 
like from a, yeah. an angle. So he was down on his knees and my partner, we were doing, it was Sing, Sing, Sing. If you don't know that song, please go look up Sing, Sing, Sing oh, and see so how wild this the, it is. Mm-hmm. My partner swung me out and I kicked my legs out. And I remember like out of the corner of my eye, seeing the photographer just like roll back. And I went over to him later. I'm like, did I actually kick you? And he's like, no, I saw your foot coming and I just rolled back to get out of the way. <laughs> Love it. And he's like, that taught me a lesson. I will never do that again. I'm like, look, if it's during a slower song, that's great. But this was not the song to be kneeling down trying to get good. He's like, yes, I I learned my lesson. A bit later, we see Dawn rushing to the door, finger combing her hair. She's changed out. She's changed outfits and is now wearing a sundress with a sweater. As she opens the door, Xander steps inside carrying a pizza box. He calls her Dawn Patrol and says that, get this, some people put cheese on round bread. He thinks it's going to be big. As Joyce greets Xander and grabs her sweater, we get another voiceover by Dawn, telling us how Xander is cuter than everyone else, smarter (laughs) too, because he skipped college and went right to working construction, which is so deep, you know? (laughs) He builds things. And he's brave too. Just last week, he went undercover to stop Dracula. I need to know whose teenage daughter wrote John's voiceovers because they are perfect. They are great. Yeah, they are. They are perfect teenage. Yeah, like it's I feel like they wrote down a basic script and gave it to a teenage girl and said, please rewrite this to the inner dialogue that a 14 year old would have. Yeah, especially the like, he's so deep. He's That's so, yeah. such a 14-year-old thing to say. Like, this is a 14-year-old in an English class where another 14-year-old boy is talking about Slaughterhouse-Five or something. Like, oh my God, yes. And completely missing the point, but he's so cute, so she doesn't mind. Yep. And, and the best part is, because she is smart. She's as smart as, you know, she loves school. She's, you know, she's smart like Willow. She plays chess. And yet she is also an idiot over this boy. Joyce heads out, Xander telling her to have fun, but not too much fun. As she does, she tells Dawn to be good. They will. Xander promises. They're just going to play with matches, run with scissors, and take candy from some guy. Xander doesn't know his name. With a smile for Dawn, he heads into the other room to put the pizza down. Dawn says Xander treats everyone like an equal. Never looks down on anyone. She goes to close the door, but Anya appears holding board games. Hello, little girl. (laughs) Even when she thinks he should. Anya tells her they're going to have fun, fun, fun. She's got Monopoly, Clue, and ooh, the game of life. Sounds good, right? I love, like, I love this. Like, you have this evil demon turned human, (laughs) and she's developed a love of board games. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The scene with Anya in a few minutes is one of my favorites. Yeah. At the dorms, Tara is helping Willow unpack her stuff. Tara says Dawn was really shaken up earlier. Willow can see why. Death will do that to a person. Yeah, but Tara thinks it's not just that. She thinks it's hard on Dawn, not being able to or allowed to help. Help? Yeah, help the group. Willow says Buffy doesn't really need, and Dawn's still a bit young. Tara knows, but it's still hard. That outsider feeling. Willow gets that Tara is not just talking about Dawn and assures her that she is not an outsider. She is. And that's okay. Is someone making her feel uncomfortable? Is it Xander? It's Xander, isn't it? Tara, also vibing with us, says Xander is a sweetie. (laughs) 
Then it's Giles. Giles is British. He doesn't really know about stuff. <laughs> Willow is like, wow. Giles this episode. Wow. Wow. Poor Giles. Just, ugh. Tara assures her it's no one. They just have a really tight bond. It's hard to break into that. And she's not even sure she wants to. Well, Willow's sure. She's completely one of the gang now. Everybody accepts that. She's one of the good guys. At that, Tara looks a little uncomfortable and moves away from Willow, who had been nuzzling her. Willow says maybe they can talk to the group. They can do a kind of Scooby initiation. (laughs) Ooh, maybe they can get a kind of special ring that identifies them as members. Tara says that's not necessary, but maybe they could do something like that for Dawn. Tara worries about her sometimes. That's not necessary. Willow reminds her that she has big sister Buffy looking out for her. Again, Tara is an angel none of us deserved. Nope. Speaking of Buffy... She is out on patrol with Riley, complaining about Dawn and how her mother keeps telling her that she needs to look out for her and protect her from anything that might upset her. Like dead shopkeepers. She didn't even see him! (laughs) Except for maybe a foot. A dead foot. Which... Yeah, okay, it's bad. But Buffy sees dead things all the time. And you don't see Joyce saying someone has to protect her. So she wants her mother to give her space to be a slayer and shield her from it all at one time. (laughs) Thank you, Logic Boy. Did she mention this is a rant? Sense really has no place in it. (laughs) So he's starting to get. What's the deal? She seems sort of stopping him. Buffy looks to the side before frowning. Never mind, just trash can. From there, it looks sort of tense. No, short, squat, shadowy. Yeah, Riley was going back to what he was saying before they were rudely attacked by nothing. (laughs) She seems really tense. Yeah, there's a new vampire gang in town. He meant more domestically tense. She's been on Dawn's case a lot. She guesses. She She knows it's always been this way. She's the baby. But for some reason... Lately, it's been really getting to her. She's always around. Well, yeah, because Buffy's like her idol. Her idol? Buffy doubts that. Unless one likes to spill things on their idol's new leather pants. She has superpowers, college, a studly yet sensitive boyfriend. <laughs> I told I told Kevin, I had a studly yet sens- sensitive boyfriend. You did! I did. And the kid, poor cat, he was like, he's like, I wasn't studly. I'm like, I just called you studly. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh no, Mr. Frog. <laughs> like, I just gave you a compliment. <laughs> and a pesky life or death job she can't quit or even take a break from. She doesn't get the sacrifices. She's a kid. Which is what this whole thing is about. Dawn gets to be a kid. Mm-hmm. She gets the innocence, the normality that Buffy feels was robbed from her. And she hates that Dawn complains about it. Sometimes Buffy would like to curl up in her mother's lap and not worry about the fate of the world. Sometimes she'd like to be the one who's protected, who's waited on. Hand and foot. Dawn finishes that sentence as we go back to the Summer's home. (laughs) She's sitting on the floor, paying life with Xander and Anya and eating ice cream. She's also complaining about Buffy. How she gets everything she wants, how she's always the favorite. Xander tells her she's being a nut, that Joyce loves them both equally, and that if she wants to tip the scales, Xander finds that money really helps with that. Slip Mm -hmm. Joyce a 10 or a 20. See who's the favorite then. I always like scenes like this where you have one person complaining about the same thing that another person is complaining about the other person. Oh, yeah. 
Dawn says Xander always tells her she's like a kid sister to him, but that sometimes when he looks at her, she feels that he sees her for who she really is, a woman. <laughs> the juxtaposition of that line with the ice cream with the on ice Dawn's cream face her, yeah. is just it's so good. But also, who eats ice cream that way? Like, Dawn had the spoon sideways. And I know, I know, I know that was a directorial thing to make sure the ice cream Have got on her face. Have you ever seen a child eat ice cream, Mary? Oh, this is true. But this is a teenager eating ice cream. Yes, but she's also a teenager who is distracted by her crush. This is true. But I just, I could not stop staring. I, I was know, like, why I is know. the spoon like that? <laughs> also, it could be, it could also be a play on the fact that she is just newly created. I mean, this is true. This is true. So, like, some things, some things may have slipped through, or it could have just been a fun directorial choice to. Yeah, I know. I think it was a directorial choice yeah. to make sure the ice cream got on her face. Yeah, but I was just like, I love it. She he sees me as a woman, and she's got chocolate all over her face. From her side of the table, Anya begins to protest. She's now burdened with a husband and several tiny pink children. Not to mention more cash than she knows what to do with. Sander informs her that this means she's winning. Really? Yeah, cash <laughs> equals good. Oh, oh yay! She's so pleased! Can she trade the children <laughs> for more cash? That is my favorite line. Can I trade the children for more cash? <laughs> I've I've said that about Owen before. I'm like, can I trade him for more cash? <laughs> I I love I love Emma. She's so good. It's it's you know, sometimes sometimes when when people play characters like that who, you know, they're not familiar with the way a lot of things work. It just doesn't come off right. It comes off as very unnatural. Mm -hmm. But Emma just plays it so well. And it's so, you know, and like sometimes, sometimes with people like with, again, the way people play it, it's annoying. Oh, yeah. But she's so charming. It's charming. It's very endearing. You're just like, oh, Anya. (laughs) It's it's a whole whole, like, oh, bless her. Yeah. No, she does a great job with it. And she doesn't, and like, she doesn't like, nobody gets, nobody gets upset with her. No. She doesn't get upset when she does, like, sometimes she gets upset when she doesn't understand some ways that human ha- humans have, but like, they just like, it gets to the point where you forget that Anya doesn't know a lot of things. Yeah. And everybody is just so, they're, they're so patient. Yeah. They may stare at her like, what are you doing right now? But she's part of the group and it's, she's your friend that you love them anyway. <laughs> As Dawn turns to give her a what's wrong with you <laughs> sort of look, a rock comes flying through the window, nearly hitting Xander in the head. Tied to the rock is a note. Slayer, come out and die. The eye and die having a little smiley face above it. Before they can even wonder who would send such a note, we hear Harmony's voice outside telling Buffy that she's waiting for her. Going to the window, Xander looks out and sure enough, there is Harmony and her little gang of minions. She knows she's in there. We next see Xander at the door talking to Harmony. What does he mean she isn't there? She has to be. She's calling her out. Xander sure she'll be real sad she missed Harmony's call. Looks like her and her buddies will have to come back and be killed by Buffy later. They're not her buddies. They're her minions. (laughs) Her what now? Minions. You know, lackeys. They work for her. This just causes Xander to burst out laughing. (laughs) Something that causes Harmony to demand, what's so funny? (laughs) What's so funny? Nothing. Just look out. It's the terrified Harmony gang. Ooh. (laughs) 
Stop laughing. She goes to lunch for Xander, but as she has no invite, the door stops her. Xander, sorry. He just can't picture anyone pathetic enough to be... Fu- Wait, is that Brad Connick? <laughs> huh. Who would have thought when Brad was beating up kids in gym class, he'd end up Harmony's lapdog? Brad's response to that is just, screw you, Harris. I, I love... I love when they recognize people that they knew. Oh, yeah. As vampires. And like, especially like this, like Xander just being like, huh. <laughs> and I'm just being like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are more vampires that we need. Right? We need less serious vampires. Harmony, on the other hand, tells him that he should know all about being someone's lapdog. She hears he was a good little puppy for Dracula. How? How did she hear this? Dracula doesn't seem like he really talked to anyone. I mean, he blew in. He made the world dark. Yeah, but yeah, like Dracula doesn't seem like he chit-chatted. No, I know. Like, I always wonder how things get around in this I town. Mean, I know, I know Spike says that news travels fast in the demon world. Yeah. But like, again... Dracula doesn't seem like he really talked to anyone else in the demon world. I mean, Spike and how knew... And how would they know that it was Xander? Yeah, like Spike knew Dracula was there, but Spike mm-hmm. also isn't on good terms with anyone else. <laughs> with anyone. Anyone at all. Yeah, so like, I don't know. But yeah, I don't, but whatever. So yeah, Harmony heard he was a good little lapdog for Dracula. And he's like, well, she heard wrong. Don't feel bad. She hears that mind control thing he does works well on weak mind con no wait, but did, my- did she really say mind control twice? Anyway, it works on weak losers. Yeah. Uh, which you know, based on what we said last week about Dracula and how most susceptible to him seem to be those with underlying mental issues, it kind of makes what Harmony saying super harsh. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, because like, yeah, to her, she's just calling him a loser, which is yeah. what she's done since high school, but we know she's really commenting on his like neglect. Yeah. And abuse. Yeah. I love you, Harmony, but fuck you. Yeah. As Harmony says, Xander didn't stand a chance. Don yells, shut up. Which, yeah, go Don. <laughs> Xander, however, assures her he is handling this right before he too tells Harmony to shut up. <laughs> Make her. Xander really doesn't feel like getting into another hair pulling contest with her. He's the hair puller. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don tells Harmony to come inside and say that. Oh. Xander will kick her. Dawn, no! Anya turns to look at her. Does she know what she's just done? Vamp face on, Harmony lunges at Xander, no longer barred from entering. As Harmony attacks Xander, Dawn runs upstairs, and Anya runs towards the kitchen in search of weapons, which she is very displeased about because apparently Buffy does not just leave weapons laying around. And to Anya, this is unacceptable. Harmony's minions try to enter, but they can't. Xander saying, sorry, and wait was for one only. Grabbing a lamp, Anya goes to help, but Harmony bats it away. She's been working out, learning, honing her instincts. Xander does manage to kick her away, though. Away and right out the door. (laughs) Which he and Anya then slam. Harmony tells him this isn't over. She'll be back. And they'll be ready. Crosses, stakes, the whole enchilada. Sliding down the door, he tells Anya that Buffy is not going to be happy about this. True. But she might be amused because next we see Buffy is laughing, unable to believe that Harmony has minions. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much Xander's reaction as well. But yes, Harmony has minions and Ruffles have ridges. <laughs> 
Oh, thing is, there's actually a more serious side to all this. Okay, what is it? Well, she did come to the house to kill Buffy. That just starts the laughter anew, Riley laughing as well, even as he is reminding Buffy that her gang did already kill once. They could be a threat to her. Anya agrees, you know, since Harmony can enter Buffy's house whenever she wants. That stops the laughter. Hmm. What? So, uh, as it turns out, Harmony happened to, uh, sorta get an invite. Buffy doesn't understand. They can't invite her in. Only someone who lives here can. Where is she? In her room. Anya says she thinks she's still pretty freaked out. Buffy doesn't seem to care and is ready to storm right up there. Dawn! Xander tries to intervene. Hmm. It was an accident. She didn't mean to. Oh, well, then that just makes it okay, doesn't it? Buffy, your mother invited Dracula in. Like, (laughs) I think you can go easy on the 14-year-old. As Buffy heads upstairs, Xander says, no one feels worse than Dawn right now. Harmony might. As she and her gang walk through the cemetery, Harmony laments how the whole night was a waste. She didn't even get to kill stupid Xander Harris. (laughs) One of her minions tells her that they can go back later, but no, it's all done now. Buffy will be expecting them. The surprise is ruined. Cyrus's stomach growls and his friend Peaches says they can see if the census taker is drained when they get back to the lair. (laughs) Brad doesn't want to go back to the lair, though. He wants action. Okay. Spike punches him in the face. Happy to oblige. He then invites the others to step up as well. Frashings for all. Harmony tells them to stop before stepping closer to Spikey. She means Spike. Long time. She looks good. She feels good. He remembers. How's he been? All right. Just got a new telly in his crypt. So one of the minions, who we learn is named Mort, steps up. Why is Harmony talking to him? It's fine. They used to go steady. She then introduces him, but Mort already knows who he is. He kills their kind. Oh, yeah. What's up with that? Bloke's got to have a hobby, don't he? (laughs) Piss off, Mort. (laughs) Mort doesn't like that and moves to threaten Spike, but Harmony stops him, saying to give them a couple of minutes. As they step away, Harmony says he's really testy. A few of them are even thinking about voting him out of the gang. Gang? Oh yeah, she's got her own gang now. (laughs) Is that what those circus freaks are? Uh Uh-huh. She means shut up! They're going to kill the Slayer. Mm, Singing Spike's song now, is she? She should pay him royalties for that one. (laughs) Or at least get her own tune. Spike, sir, you know I love you. Love Mm -hmm. you so much. (laughs) You are not the first vampire to try to kill the Slayer. You may be the best vampire at killing Slayers. It's Spike. It's just Uh Spike and his arrogance. This is true. He he's the only vampire who is allowed to kill the Slayer, especially now that he has been basically neutered from killing the good guys. It makes him extra mad that other people can try to kill the Slayer. This is true. He is an angry puppy. He is. She's not going to make the same mistakes he did. She's been doing her homework, reading books and stuff, but evil for dummies. Look at her all puffed up and mighty, thinking she's the big bad. It's it's adorable. He just can't face the fact she's her own woman now. She's taken the next step, found the real her, and she likes her. Yeah, you go, girl. Well, <laughs> Spike is very happy for her, but maybe leave the killing of the Slayer to the professionals. He'll see. Buffy will be dead by sunrise. She has a plan. Let him guess. Snatch one of her friends. Lead her into a trap. No. Okay, then. She's not telling him. Whatever. Best of Mm -hmm. luck. Let him know how the archvillain thing turns out. She'll do that. And when Buffy's gone, she is killing everyone in this town that was ever mean to her. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Spike just keeps walking. Harmony then turns to the group. New plan! 
Back at Buffy's, Buffy's collecting weapons, lots of weapons, which Riley comments on because he thought she wasn't sweating this. Yeah, well, that was before Don gave Harmony backstage passes to kill them all in their sleep. Xander says he called Willow, left a message. The moment she gets it, she'll be over to revoke the invitation. Probably still has the stuff from last week. No big. Yes, big. Dawn grew up in that house. She knows the rules, especially the number one rule of do not invite blood-sucking dead people into their home. Buffy never would have invited Harmony over even before she was dead. (laughs) Xander, being Xander and wonderful, reminds her that people slip. Her mom did. She invited in the Matt Dracula in for coffee. Buffy immediately tries to say that was different, that her mom, she he she was lonely and she didn't know he was a vampire, the vampire. But Dawn did. Dawn knew exactly what Harmony was when she rolled out the welcome mat for her. She's just a kid. Can everyone stop saying that? <laughs> Buffy was just a kid once too. She was just a kid when she met her first vampire, but she managed to follow the rules. She had to. It was her job. No, it was common sense, but no one expects that from Dawn, do they? No, she has to be coddled and protected, which is doing nothing except turning her into a little idiot that's going to get them all killed. Overhearing this, Dawn takes off running downstairs, even as Buffy continues. She just needs to be more careful. Buffy can't be there to protect her 24-7. I love the, I, I always love moments of, if only the person listening in would have waited a little bit longer to hear the rest of what was being said. Yeah. <laughs> because she's, she's just, she's scared for Dawn. Yeah. And of course, you know, she's, you know, lashing it out in a, in, you know, an upset way. But then she ends up with, I need her to be more careful. Exactly. But Of course, people don't always wait for the whole thing. Dawn runs outside as Anya chases after her, trying to get her to come back in. It's not safe outside. Appearing, Mort says, she's right. It's not. He then pushes Anya back in the house before he and the other minions make off with Dawn. The others come down to find Anya barely conscious and the door open. As Xander and Riley go to her, Riley says her head wound looks bad. They need to get her to a hospital. Buffy starts to call 911, but then Anya says something. Dawn, the vampires, they they took Dawn. At that, Buffy shoves the phone to Riley and takes off. In Harmony's lair, she is once again congratulating everyone on a job well done. She is really, really proud of them. Everybody needs to have a boss like Harmony. Right? And she assumes Mort made their guest comfortable. He chained her to a wall, like she said. Right. She was being, you know sarcastic or whatever okay wait 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 and so we find out later this is in fact the same layer that harmony had with spike Mm -hmm. so um are are those their sex chains (laughs) if so i i really hope mort clorox them first (laughs) (laughs) i mean i know they also used to chain people up in there so maybe not but you know you never know yeah maybe they know which ones were the maybe they have two sets Anyway, she's really excited about the new plan. When do they eat the girl? They don't. Why not? It's not the plan. Does she have to go over the plan again? They send the Slayer a note. More notes. They send the Slayer a note telling her that if she ever wants to see her sister again, she comes alone to a place of their choosing. Then they kill her. So it doesn't matter if they have the sister or not. They just need the Slayer to think they do. She guesses so then they can eat her no they're not eating the girl that is not the plan i i appreciate harmony sticking to the plan right she has a plan and everybody needs to understand that they're sticking to the plan spike is in his crypt 
trying to get his new telly to work when Buffy comes storming in. Where's Harmony's lair? Doesn't know. Hasn't seen her in months. She's not playing with him. Where is it? How can she not? She goes to punch him again and he says, okay, okay. They used to have a cave up in the North Woods past the overpass. Great. Buffy hits him again. What the fuck? He was telling her the truth. She knows. Back in her lair, Harmony is venting to Dawn. The minions don't respect her. They pretend they do, but deep down they think she's nothing. And she's the one who put the group together. Her. They treat her like she doesn't even matter. Does she have any idea what that feels like? A little. They have no idea the pressure she's under. She has to make all the hard decisions. And it's hard. Footsteps sound behind them as the minions enter. Hello? Harmony did not hear anyone knock. Turns out the minions have been talking. They don't like this plan. So they voted in a new one. Well, except for Brad. He abstained. They're going to feed on the girl and kill Harmony. Possibly not in that order. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Harmony steps towards Mort, telling him that she does not like his attitude. She tells the others to kill Mort, and when they don't, she says they are all on her list. They advance, and Harmony starts backing up. This isn't fair. Things might not have been perfect, but she just needs more time. Needs to grow into her leadership role. Time's up. Mort grabs Harmony and starts to back her into a wall as Cyrus approaches Dawn. Touch her, and her sister's going to kill him. (laughs) He pokes her, just to be obnoxious. The minions laugh, and then... Cyrus explodes into dust. Buffy standing behind him. Can't say she didn't warn him. Looking at Mort, Harmony smirks. And he didn't like the plan. (laughs) She waltzes towards Buffy, who tells Dawn to close her eyes. Well, well, Slayer. At last they meet. What? They've met several (laughs) times. Harmony, you halfwit. (laughs) We went to school together. She's the halfwit? Excuse you, but who's the one that's fallen into her? Peaches rushes Buffy, causing her to stake them. Same with Brad. There is now only Harmony and Mort. Harmony, you need to get better minions. Right? I mean, I know you're you're being very supportive of them and every little thing that they do. And I know you need people who are going to at least partway respect you, but you need to make better choices. Harmony can see this isn't going well, even as she kind of squeaks out the last word of her sentence. Trap. Buffy tells her when she tried to be head cheerleader, she was bad. When she tried to chair the homecoming committee, she was really bad. But when she tries to be bad, she sucks. Through all this, Mort has been sneaking about. And Dawn, she's opened her eyes just a tiny bit to peek, which allows her to warn Buffy. This starts a proper fight between the two of them, during which Harmony flees. It's a bit rocky. Mort's so much bigger than Buffy. But she manages... And as it turns out, Harmony's love of unicorns saves the day, as Buffy uses the horn from a wooden carousel one to stake Mort. She then goes to free Dawn, telling her that she is going to be in so much trouble when they get home. Oh yeah? She's going to tell Mom Buffy slayed in front of her. (laughs) Fine. Then she'll tell Mom that Dawn ran out, invited a vampire in, got Anya hurt. Turns out none of that happens. As they get home right at the same time Joyce has. They tell her nothing happened, that Buffy got the vamps, and they watch TV. As Joyce sends Dawn up to bed, we hear a voiceover about how Buffy probably would have gotten in more trouble than her if they had told. But she guesses it's okay that Buffy covered for them both. Turns out Anya's going to be okay and Xander isn't mad at her. We know this because as her voiceover continues, we transition to the magic shop a day or two later. Turns out Giles bought the place. Something Buffy wants to know if he's really sure about. Not only do magic shop owners in Sunnydale have notoriously short lifespans... 
But has he ever run a store before? He was a librarian for years. This is exactly the same, only now people will pay him for things they never return. (laughs) Also, I know it's not exactly the same, but like little Giles did want to be a grocer as a kid. Mm -hmm. So now he's kind of getting to fulfill that dream. Yeah, he gets to he gets to run some sort of some sort of store. Plus, it fits in with what he is actually doing now. He says it will give him focus, increase his resources, and stop the lot of them from trampling all over his flat at all hours. <laughs> I like that he added that in there. Yes. Because it's it's just like we've always talked about how everybody just, just goes, goes into his goes into his house. Like again, like they live there. But also it gives them another location to work with and also like it's a little bit bigger you have like he has all of he has all of his equipment there yeah yep there may even be some space in the back that Buffy can use to train wow he's really thought all this through how bored was he last year he watched (laughs) passions with Spike let them never speak of it Laughing, Buffy follows him into the back before poking her head back out to tell Dawn not to break anything or even touch anything. What she's doing now, the not moving, that's perfect. Dawn's voiceover continues telling us that Buffy hasn't really changed at all like she ever would. She still thinks Dawn's little Miss Nobody, just her dumb little sister. Boy, is she in for a surprise. The end. Bum, bum, bum. Season five was kind of like the season of red herrings. Yeah, yeah. Because first we all thought Dracula was going to be the big bad. Yes. Then we had the end of this episode, which made it seem like maybe there was something up where Dawn would turn out to be evil. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, you've got the whole thing, the mystery of Tara still going on. Yep. And no, no, none of that. Turned out it was none of that. So, but let's let's talk a little bit about Dawn real quick, a little bit more, um, because there's a few behind the scene facts that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, like how Sarah was the one who suggested Michelle for the role. Because they worked together on All My Children. Yes. How David Fury was basically given carte blanche on Dawn's background. She was an open book. Um, she wasn't really tied to previous continuity. I mean, obviously like major events, but we never saw her before. Yeah. So all these little things like Willow being her favorite aunt, which is an interesting term, uh, given some stuff we'll talk about in a later episode. Uh, There's a bunch of that stuff that he infused into the character, some of which made it into the script and some of which didn't. Also, I know that a lot of the fandom complains about how young Dawn sounds. Mm -hmm. There is a good reason for that. Um, Dawn was originally written to be 12 years old. Ah, okay. When Michelle was cast, they aged the character up. However, those first few episodes were already written. Yeah. And they didn't go back and change the script. I think it works fine. I think it's fine. I think in in some ways it's like, haven't you ever been around a 14 year old? Yeah, like they go back. I mean, the, the, the thing about the thing about 14 year olds is they are at a point in their life where they want to be seen as adults. Yeah, like based on your school system, we're talking about an eighth or ninth grader here. Yeah. This is a junior high student. Yeah. This is not mm-hmm. like they're they're yeah. very much still a child. Yeah, they're still they're still they're still a child, but they don't want to be seen as a child. Like like Dawn said, like I'm 14. I normally I would be babysitting by now. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's fine. And I think yeah. Dawn does grow on you as it goes on, like but we'll talk about all that it's as we very, go on. Yeah, it's it's very jarring at first. It is. It's very jarring. And I forgot that, like, it takes us a while to figure out, like, why she's even there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, we get a whole bunch of episodes where it's just like, well, I guess Buffy has a sister now. We're all like, where did this person come from? Mm -hmm. And we don't even find out for, like, I think, like, three more episodes. Two more. I know we don't find out next week. No. Um, Hold on. Season five. Yeah, we don't even... I think we don't even find out till season five. So we have two more... Or episode five. So we have two more episodes... (laughs) before we even find out where Dawn came from. Yeah. Which is just crazy. Like, I, I, I wish I remembered more about watching this in real time and just trying to figure out, like, why is this character here? Yeah. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to join us next time for season five, episode three, The Replacement, which we're going to have Mr. Froggy on with us. Yes, we have to we have to bring him on for a Xander episode. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get him last season. We just had too much going on. And no, we had him for Beer Bad. Oh, that's right. We did have him for Beer Bad. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's it's been so it's been so long since last season started. was very long because we had so much real life stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. I think he I think he even forgot about being on for Beer Bad. <laughs> Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.